Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the One Broke Actress podcast, an honest account of actor life, plus a few lessons I learn in the process. I am your host, Sam Valentine. And if you've been told by 500 commercial agents that you need to take an improv class, this is the podcast for you. If you've been feeling like hustling is the answer to all your problems, this is the podcast for you. If you think that achieving an exact thing at an exact time when you're supposed to, this is the podcast for you. Today we have on my improv teacher, Amanda Lee Hancanto, and she has a background in all the types of improv that you need to know about, and especially the big two hitters in Los Angeles, which are Groundlings and UCB. In fact, we go over the specifics of what each offers and how you go through the rankings of them. She also talks specifically about what got her into which one, and I kind of share why I picked the ones I did, what we get out of improv training, and how it helps actors in all different ways, and some ways that really might surprise you. Like, you know, whenever people say, bring yourself to the role, that's literally something you can help figure out in improv. Not something I expected, but it really helped me out a great deal. And finding your true self is literally the only thing you have left when you get on a stage and have nothing but yourself and someone else to connect to. The things I learned in that class are unbeatable, and I'm so excited to go back to that training school and get going once again. So we kind of go into the ins and outs of that training, and Amanda also shares with us her actor journey. And I'm not just talking about, I went to school, and then I did this, and then I did that. She gets into the nitty-gritty of what it was really like to be on the Groundling Sunday Company. It's such a big achievement. It's essentially Saturday Night Live light. You spend hours and hours every single week doing this show on one of the best stages in town. Big people go see these shows, and they get sold-out audiences on the regular. But the work that it takes to maintain that level, while not getting paid for that type of creation, is a bit insane. And the stuff it takes to survive as a person, as well as an artist, as well as someone who can pay bills, have friends and relationships and a full night of sleep, is it even possible to be all of those things while you're also succeeding in all of these areas? And perhaps what's the worst thing someone can tell you in that time? At least you're working. We're going to get into all of that today along with how you can be a better friend to your friends who are experiencing those ins and outs and prepare yourself if you ever get there again. So ladies and gentlemen, I love this conversation. Amanda and I both left being like, oh, I felt like a little therapy moment. You're going to want to listen to the whole episode because Amanda caps the whole thing off by saying what she got out of the hustle, what she would and wouldn't do again, and what she's taken that has made her into the working actor that she is today. She makes her living from doing improv. If that's not the goal, I don't know what is. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, please enjoy Amanda Lee Hancanto. Did you just start a new show at UCB? I did, yeah. I am part of a mod team called Tracksuit. So we have a show once a month for an entire year. Do you hate free time as much as I do? Or like, what's your deal? You know what's crazy is literally I'm going through like a rebirth phase because I need way more free time. And I'm now feeling like I can't handle as much as I used to. I'm actually going the opposite way. I'm like, oh, I need free time. I'd love to just be in my home and like make flower arrangements and just chill. That's where I'm at right now. Yeah. The year after your wedding, you're like, I can slow down in my life. I literally feel like I could slow down. And then when I have like today, I have a busy day, but I'm like, okay, this is too much. Like I have three things on the dock and I'm like too much. Whereas before I would do like six things until like 9 p.m. Yeah. Do you think that happens with age? Because that has happened to me. Also, I used to have less responsibilities. I have three dogs now and a husband. And so I don't like people needed less of me. And so I would just run about town. I was like, I can go to this person's show and then I can read for you for your audition. And then I can do this and do that. And now like I legitimately same thing as you. I have four meetings. Today's my heavy meeting day. I have four meetings on my calendar and I will be exhausted. Oh, yeah. No. So they're all from this desk. No. Yeah. But I can stand up after this. I can. It's a standing desk so I can move it. So we can stand. I can walk like there's ways around it. But like this is the day. I Yeah, I feel you. I think it is. Maybe it's just age or or 
or you get to a certain level. Like I've been in LA for 11 years hustling. Like sometimes people look at my calendar and it's all color coded on my Google calendar and they're like, whoa. And I'm like, oh yeah, that is a lot. And I have way less of those days. But when I do have those days, I can't even, it's too much. I get overwhelmed now. Now I'm like, all right, this is too much. I want to live. Well, and two, the thing that you do the most of, which I don't know your whole life, but I know you from improv. Am I correct in thinking you do the most improv out of anything on your schedule? Yeah, I do improv. 80% of my life is all improvised. And then it'll be meetings about improv. So all my meetings are normally about improv or structured improv. And then I'll just do improv. And well, mod is actually sketch. The pitches and all that is improv to find the sketch. We are going to get very into how you take care of yourself to where your brain is able to turn on for improv at any point in time. Like I want to I want to put that on the list because that was one of the first things I wanted to talk to you about. But yeah, just in case someone is listening to the podcast and they've been told by 7000 commercial agents to do improv, but they have never done it. How do you sum up what the fuck improv is? Because also someone recently told me that improv is the lower back tattoo of acting and it really touched me in a special way. (laughs) I have never heard that. I thought it was so funny. Brilliant. That's actually brilliant because it's like, Not a lot of people know it's there, but it's there, honey. You get your bathing suit on, you go to the beach and everyone's like, oh, shit, she's seen some shit. And a lot of people have it and don't talk about it. (laughs) Yeah, they don't talk about it at all. But then they'll have like that night where they get a little bit too drunk and they're like, you want to smell my tattoo? Yeah. You want to smell my tattoo? And people are like, oh, shit. So you like have lived. And it's like, yeah, I've trained. I love that so much, actually. You can have it. I'm taking it. What the fuck is improv? I feel like there's so many different things. But for me personally, from my journeys and journeys and journeys of improv, I feel like I didn't fully understand the magic of improv until I did my own solo show. So I did my solo show and 90% of it's improvised. I use the audience to help me build a character based on someone in their family and like a phrase they say. And they also help me choose the wig. And I come up with a character for two minutes and then I move on to another one. It's like the most freeing thing ever. The thing about improv, I would say, what is it is it's a discipline into the journey of trust. To me, it's very on a spiritual level of trusting yourself. It's emptying your brain and trusting the magical thoughts that come in. But That's where I'm at 11 years later. If I was just starting out as improv, improv is just making shit up on the spot. That's literally, that's literally what it is to me. Like if I was just starting off and like as a teacher, I would tell my class, like you guys, it's not that serious. We're just making shit up on the spot. It's true. But you know, the further you do it, it gets complicated. It gets political because my God, you're just saying things off the top of your head. Yeah. Which is very vulnerable and scary. It's very vulnerable. It's very scary because now we actually get to uniquely see who you are. But also, I think at the beginning of improv, you don't actually show your true, true voice. You just kind of go off what you've seen in improv or what you think would make others laugh. So as a teacher and as someone who's done improv forever... I feel like it's my job for myself and students to break all that down, to break down like what you think I want to hear. Instead, getting to that really quiet place in your brain and just letting the word come in or the name come in and then saying it and then dealing with it in the moment. Which sounds so simple when you say it like that. But as someone who's taken a decent amount and I also like the way we met was you were my improv teacher. You're my basics teacher at Groundlings. And I was like, I can do improv. I've done improv so many times. And then you start to realize, same with an acting class, what you just said is you will start, this is my worst habit in acting classes and why I have to move around a lot is because I will start to perform for the person whose validation I'm seeking instead of doing my thing. And improv was the first Mm -hmm. place that I really realized that I was doing that. And then I realized it more and more and more in in so many areas of my life. Oh, you and I must be on the same journey because (laughs) 
It doesn't matter how much improv you do. That to me is the magic of improv is like you literally have to play the fool because you have to start at the beginning every time you do it because you'll be doing a scene and you're like, oh my God, I'm performing for this audience or for this teacher or for this friend. And then what you're saying is constructed. It's planned. It's premeditated and it's obvious. And therefore you'll get a laugh, but it'll be that laugh that to me, I think is the death of comedy is when you hear an audience member go, huh, I despise that laugh. <laughs> to me, I'm like, oh, I've lost it. I've lost the magic where they just go, huh, it's a, <laughs> it's such a pity laugh. They're like, uh, I laugh. Yeah. We all do it. I mean, people do it. People say shit that they think people want to hear. It takes a ton of courage and trust to actually say something that's straight up on your mind. I also don't like when people are like, you can't care what people think. And it's like, that's impossible. It's not in my chemical makeup. In what world? I yeah, I care deeply. But it's like, if you say it from a place of like, it's not that I don't care what they think. It's that I'm going to say it because this is true to me. That's an ongoing practice in improv and in life, I think, because it's like every time I do improv, every time I start the first scene, it's always catered to who's ever watching. And then I'm like, oh, OK. All right. All right. Loosen it. Yeah. Yeah. The reason I wanted to talk to you especially is because you were in so many of the buckets of improv, because while you say like we can give an explanation of it, there are several different places, especially in L.A., but in every market of place that's going to teach you improv and every school has its like, to be honest, some of them are a little culty. We get a little like this is the way and like this is the yeah. thing you do. But I'm really interested in how you would describe the different schoolings of improv because some actors kind of get stuck in trying to make the right choice for their improv training. Right. Yeah, I totally get it. I would say don't look at the end program. Don't look at how long it's going to take you to get to the end, quote unquote, whatever that is. Like if it's like Sunday Company or Herald Team at UCB, like I would say don't go and try to look at the end and how much it's going to cost you and how long it's going to take you because I know so many people that are like, oh, I've wanted to join Groundlings, but I just, I don't want to wait that long. Or I wanted to join Groundlings, but I feel like it's too late for me. I would say, ask yourself what gives you the most excitement. Not like what you think you need, but what gives you the most excitement. If you're doing it based on excitement, then you will actually naturally get further in the program because Groundlings is character-based, right? Like it all is birthed out of character, POV, uniquely your POV and how you build characters. What's going on? What's going on today? That's the big thing between these characters. UCB is game. UCB is all about game. What's the funny? And how do you continue to hit the funny, but make it progress bigger and bigger and bigger until you get to a place that you can do a button and a blackout? That to me is UCB. I've never taken Second City, but I do know that Second City is now gone in L.A. Yeah, the pandemic definitely knocked out Second City in L.A., but I do know that they have it in New York. So I don't know the lingo of Second City, but I do know those two big time. But then, you know, then, of course, there's improv everywhere in acting class. I've taken acting class improv where it's all about eye contact and trust. So there's so many different improvs. But if you're just starting out, I would say find out what your highest excitement is. If you feel like you have a writer brain, if you feel like you're like, oh, I know what the funny is, I know how to write for other people, then I would say go UCB. But if you're like, I love doing impressions of my family. I love building characters on the spot. I just saw this person walk by and oh my God, what if they sounded like this? Or what if they felt this? Then I'd say go ground. Those are just two out of like so many others. There's West Side, there's Second City. I went to IOS when I first moved to LA. And IOS is gone. <laughs> or you could make your decision by what I did when I first moved here, which is IOS had a bar in it. And I thought that sounded I fun. Oh, and then recently going to Groundlings because I was like, I need the least barrier to entry. It's so close to my house. Like, that is sometimes the deciding factor is like, what makes this easier for you to get to on a basis and makes you yeah. stay there? Because they're all different class structures. And the thing is that in acting classes, we go and we get an assignment and we often will work maybe a little bit before class. You show up prepared and then you yeah. do your work and then you get notes and then you do it again. Or, you know, that's like the gist of so many acting classes and scene study classes and audition classes. Mm -hmm. And 
when you do improv, will you explain kind of how, for example, the Groundlings Basics class, how different that is from a standard acting class where you prep and you work and you get notes and you do it again? Yeah, so different. It's like you're going in there without a safety net. The Groundlings Basic class specifically is very different from an acting class, whereas acting class is, like you said, you some some acting classes are totally different, but like you usually prep a scene or you choose a scene or someone chooses a scene for you. You might work on that scene for many weeks or you might work on it, you know, a week before. Like I had an acting class where I chose a scene with a new scene partner every single time and we couldn't work on it together and we had to do a cold with each other. So like there's all different things. Basic improv, at Groundlings, you don't have scripts, you don't have scenes, you don't have a physical thing in your hand to rely on. In fact, you have nothing physical in your hands at all because you have what we call space work, which makes people feel like they're losing their mind. It's also been like wrung out of me as an actor who self-tapes to pretend to use a prop because everything I do, like putting on a seatbelt or like driving a car, I'm like, put something in your goddamn hands. Like, don't I. So now I always use props because I'm self-taping at home. But for groundlings and for basically, you know, all improv, unless you're doing some sort of pre-planned sketch show, you really don't get anything. So it's like, what do you look like when you're stirring a bowl when there's no bowl? Thing? You oh, feel so it's, stupid. <laughs> you're literally this is this is the beginning of what people do. This is what I used to do. They'd stir a bowl like this. Or they'd they'd broom like this, like they oh, and like, talk on I'm... a phone, talk on a phone yeah. like this. Hello, <laughs> here's a gun. Like yes, and then it's like no, it's this, and it's it's actually or the space between the hands. People like have something in their hands. They're always like, or they're like this, and it's like no, you need a space. It's literally like you're starting over. You're like a newborn baby, and they're like, hello, welcome to being a newborn baby. Here's Groundlings Basic, and people are like what? I heard this was a good school. And it's like, great, it is. So let's start from the beginning. And people are always like, I've been doing improv forever. And it's like, yes, but every school is different. And this basic is literally like you're learning how to walk for the first time. I try to, because I teach a lot of basic, I try to tell my students that of like, a lot of them come in here prepped and guarded and like, they have like a warm blanket over like, I've done improv before. And I think that that always gets them trapped because then they get really down on themselves when they get notes. And it's like, you have to look at this as like a brand new thing. Like you're in a new city. You don't know anyone. You don't speak the language. Look at it like that. Like you're, it's brand new. We just did like a Groundlings refresher workshop and they did a bunch of trust exercises. And I think I'm going to add it in my class because you have to like start the class with trust because there's so much uncertainty in basic. I mean, space work alone. And you know what I really will say I kind of love about that is that, especially in the basic class, there's a mix of people and a lot of them aren't actors. And that to me was actually really nice because the culture you sometimes find in your acting class of like who's done what and like let's judge each other off that kind of goes away because if half your class is people who have nine to five jobs and they're just there to loosen up and team build and things like that and get better at presenting themselves because their boss said it was a good idea, it changes the game in terms of showing up and being a real person. Exactly. And like who better than to do improv with than a real live person that actually doesn't understand performing for someone. In yes. fact, they, they do not do their everyday life thinking about being watched or camera angles or how they're presented. No, they're just completely themselves and their characters. That's why I love the basic because it's like not all of them are actors. But I will say going further up in the Groundlings program, I know that a lot of teachers will be like, all right, if you want to continue going up, like go take a little acting class, go take an acting class. Because at the end of the day, I think some people get confused about improv because there's so many different types of improv. But specifically at Growlings, it's about being the most honest you can be, like being your best actor at the end of the day. That's why when you watch those shows, you're so drawn in because they're not saying they're making jokes. They're literally transformed in these characters. And I do think the basis of that is acting. Yeah. How does this work then translate to an acting career in the ways you've seen it? Oh, I think it's so good for an acting career. I'm so grateful for it. I didn't know what Groundlings was when I first moved here. I just auditioned for it and literally I loved it. 
but I think it helps you in so many different scenarios. A, if you're doing like a manager showcase, boom, helps you when random people are coming up to you, talking to you. And I have learned over the years that most managers, they just want to know if you have like the gift of gab, if you can riff. Like they just want to know that you can go like have a conversation because they're not going to send you out on these general meetings to like ABC or Netflix or these, you know, these bigger production companies, literally meeting people. Industry is just meeting people. And if you have improv, then you have this almost like this badge of courage, like you trust yourself. And then it's easier for you to connect with a stranger because improv is literally making eye contact with a stranger and creating a scene. I'm building a birdhouse with this man I just met. Hello, Don, whatever. So it's just like, it's so good in just the simple basics of communicating with people you don't know. And these people are looking to hire you. And what they're looking to hire you is to go and audition. And auditions, yes, it's getting the part, it's getting the line, but it's also being a person who can chat and be on set. I think that's like the number one thing. And it helps you think on your feet. When you get notes in an audition, you have to be able to take a note and change it up. You know, in the time that I was in your class, I booked two commercials and I, I don't think I told you that. Yeah. <laughs> it was really exciting. You did it. Thank you. I, awesome. Thank you. It was really exciting after 12 years of, of having trouble booking commercials. It's things of, I want to say found a rhythm, but there's no such thing. We had a good year. And I do think that it is in part because... I felt so free doing commercial auditions because of the stuff I was doing in class, because putting a button on something felt so easy. I barely had to think about it. Being a little off kilter in these auditions where I was like, like I, the weird smelly girl in a secret deodorant commercial. It was so easy to just be the weird smelly girl. I saw girl. that. Oh, did you? I saw that. Yes, I yeah. saw that. And I didn't have your number, but I should have emailed you. But I was like, there's Sam. Yeah. And the whole, I mean, I think only a piece of it like is airing, but the audition was like three separate scenes, of course. So for that one piece to go to be used. But in them, there was a lot of weird scenarios that you get in commercial auditions. Like, so you're walking through a gym and you realize you smell bad or something like that. And that could be so, you guys, it could be so fucking awkward to do that. But when I was like, what would I do? Oh, I'd be fixing my hair and then I'd smell under my arm and then I would be, oh God, oh God, oh God. And yes. like, you know, I swear I was so loose because we were working on just being every day. And when you get commercial auditions, there are very rarely interesting scripts. Like they're typically just boilerplate like type of scenes and they want to see you like talk about your favorite weekend activity or whatever. Yes. And it's like, how can you be interesting as this person, as yourself? As yourself. It's scary. It's really scary. And I feel like people get confused. And I think that also goes back to like trying to perform for the casting director or trying to mm -hmm. perform for someone or looking at commercials and trying to match that. In fact, again, just like improv, they want to see your take on it. And what you just did is very grounded, but also adds a little bit. I like I'm like, I know who this girl is. Like, I know who you are. She cares about what people think. She was kind of maybe like loosening up for like a quick thing. And then she was like, oh, oh my gosh, like, what am I doing? I need to go home right now. I need to get in the car and go home and not talk to anybody. Just from what you just did, I got that. Therefore, I related to it. Therefore, I, as a consumer, would probably be like, all right, I'm going to buy that product. And I feel like that's what improv does, where it's like, I think some people, when a person puts on something that isn't true to themselves, it doesn't work. And I feel like improv helps us find those little like, kinks and quirks and our voice so that we can transform it into a character or a commercial role. Like it helps us find those little things that make us laugh or that make us ourselves. That's what is so great about improv. And I love that you were loose during that commercial because it's like you were working that muscle. You were working that muscle of like, okay, who is Sam? Like what makes me laugh? How would I take this on? You know what I mean? Yeah. When you say character work, too, the a reason I didn't originally go to Groundlings is because I thought, well, I'm not a character actor and I don't really get to play a lot of characters. I typically just play some version of myself. And now I have to laugh at that because now that I've been in Groundlings, you do get to stretch into more characters. 
But at the end of the day, it's the same shit that we are told in every single audition and every single class is you're starting from you. Like no matter where you go, there you fucking are. And that's what I'm learning about this whole acting business is that like I cannot take myself out of the equation no matter how much I want to. But I thought that character work meant to be a character actor. Right. Of course. That, I mean, is that a common misconception that people have? Yeah. All the time. All the time. I mean, it makes sense. Like people, when they say character actor, they think like, look at the bear. OK, those are all character actors. In a way, they're playing a character. It doesn't need to be Pee Wee Herman, R.I.P., also a Groundlings. He is incredible. He built that character at Groundlings and built a whole career off of that. I think people think character and they think wild, wacky, like, no, a character actor is literally something inside of you that you can laugh at or that's like a little bit shameful or a little bit uncomfortable that you stretch into a physical body of something else. I think it's a very common misconception that people think, well, I'm not a character actor, but truly every actor is playing a character of themselves. That's what I think. And it and you can go really far with a character or you can keep it really close to the chest. In fact, people are like, oh, I don't really do characters. And that's totally understandable. That's totally understandable. There's some people that you've seen on commercials that totally just play themselves or in shows that totally just play themselves. But I think a misconception is that watch a lot of these shows, like watch Veep, watch The Bear, watch Fleabag, watch, you know, all these great shows that they're character actors, in my opinion. In my opinion, I believe that they are. Yeah. It's such a different world than I thought it would be when you think of character. And it's just opened up a lot for me. And I did a bonus podcast about this, but I took Basic with you. And you said before I left Basic, and if you guys want more of this, this is in the bonus podcast stuff. But you said, great, definitely go to the intermediate class. But between now and then, develop five different characters so you feel a bit like ready, like really play with them. And I was like, great, can't wait. I did none of that work. And I immediately signed up for the next class. And I thought I was going to do it. Almost everyone does. Because I felt like I didn't want to lose it, right? Like I didn't, I'm going to lose momentum if I stop. And I went into the next class and Leonard was my teacher and he was fabulous. You guys are very different as you should be, right? Once again, like not performing for the same We did Sunday together forever. He's totally different, very dry, like don't Mm -hmm. get a lot of laughs out of him. Like very interesting in a character in a different way. And I was like, this is a lot of work. It was a lot of work. And it was, I would leave class and I was like, I'm exhausted. Whereas I left (laughs) basic and I was like, I'm lit up. So it was a different vibe. So I'm excited because I'm going to go back and take it again. But I was actually considering taking basic again and taking everything I learned from basic and advanced, taking it back to basic having a good time with it and then taking it because I'm not trying to be in a trajectory. I'm not trying to like finish things. That's not, I have no good uninterested. (laughs) sounds exhausting. Yeah, I'm not like, because to me, the achievement is just, it's just a resume thing. Whereas I just say that I've trained at Groundlings and I think that exists in of itself. It is. But yeah, how do, how do you take a class? For example, a lot of actors who are listening and we're on strike right now and money might, who knows, maybe when this plays, it'll be over. But money is tough and improv classes are expensive. How do you maintain improv momentum when you're in between classes? Hard. I definitely think it was, I'm not going to lie, a little bit easier before the pandemic because there were a bunch of theaters open and you could form a team with your friends or people that you met in class and you could go and perform like Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. But I would say the best thing to do is repetition and doing it on stage for an audience. Now there's the clubhouse, right? Like the clubhouse is a huge place where people can go in and go out and perform. But for me, I did everything I could. I met up with people in my class. We formed a team. We would grab a coach, Groundlings. You can grab almost any one of the teachers that they're available to coach you. You can find a coach and you can practice and then perform. For me, performing, performing, performing was the best way for you to flex that muscle, honestly. Class is great, obviously, but class is very expensive and you know, money's tight always. And there are way cheaper ways that you can perform for people. There's also a bunch of like bars and restaurants where they're doing 
open mic. And but I, I think that there's a lot of theaters out here, Lyric Hyperion, Clubhouse, that are really allowing teams to come up and do shows. But the best thing is reach out to people from your class, get a little group going and just perform. Figure out kind of your vibe. Like if you start off with a suggestion or you start off with the first scene and you kind of build off that. But to me, it's performing and you will perform for one to two people and they will be your friends for a while. And then maybe you'll perform for like a friend of a friend. But that to me is the best way to flex that muscle and learn because you can take classes all you want, but the stakes are the most high when you're performing. And you don't have a teacher side coaching you. You just do it and learn. Oh, that's my favorite part. I love side coaching. I love so active So many people notes. hate it. So that's, that's so great. So it's many because people I, really hate it. Oh, it's because I was here before we switched to all self-tape life. And I, I love an adjustment to the note and like. Me too. Me time. too. Me too. It's but fun. you know, the people, sometimes I'll adjust people and they'll look at me like, I've just ruined their life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I love that. Oh. It's always like. Wait, don't look at me. Just keep going. Just don't look yeah, at me. Don't look at me. The amount of times people are like, got it. And then I give them a note and they look at me and they stop. And I'm like, no, 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 you're in the scene. You're in the scene. I, I do that so they can do that muscle themselves so that they'll be like about to ask a question and they're like, okay. Or they'll about to be like, no, I'm not. I'm not your mom. And then they'll be like, oh, I am your mom. Yes, and I yeah. am. You're right. I am your mom. How has your build been into this? Because I want to get into what your career has looked like in improv. And also, when you started in improv, you said you did not expect any of this. But it seems like it's been the through line in comedy in your career has been solidly improv. Yeah. What's so funny is I have done plays like since I was four years old. I've done musicals and plays and theater. I love acting. I've loved it since I was little. But like acting like very nerdy acting and I remember in college there was improv troops not even kidding I could have written a sitcom about this they were like the coolest people ever they were in improv troops they were so cool like they would like party together and I remember being like I want to be on the improv troupe but I was so intimidated I was so intimidated and most of those people went to LA and then moved back home which is totally fine not a failure mm -hmm. but they're but like those people that I watched, I was like so intimidated by them. And they were just improv fucking nerds. But when you want to do something and you don't do it, you create this whole scenario in your head. You're like, they're untouchable. Oh, my God. Yeah, they're different than me. I could never blah, blah, blah. So I never did improv in college. I actually shunned myself away from it so much so that when I got to L.A., I think I immediately started doing commercial workshops like I just jumped in. Someone told me to do that. I did commercial workshops and I forget who it was. Maybe the guy running the workshop was like, oh, there's this theater in Sherman Oaks. Like, I think that they're doing auditions for improv teams. And I was like, OK, I've never done improv ever. I'm 25 years old. Sure. Whatever. I auditioned for L.A. Connection in Sherman Oaks. I don't think it's there anymore. And I got in because naturally, I really love communicating. I really love connecting. And naturally, I was realizing I was already yes-anding people in life, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, okay, I got in. So I started performing there for a year. I would take improv classes. And then I had my own um, Friday night show. And the person who I did that show with actually was the person who married my husband and I. We've been friends since, Aww. like 11 years Amazing. And so I did that and I was like, oh, I love this. I love this. Will I say that was the best improv classes ever? No, 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 it wasn't. But I got to perform every single Friday night. I took classes Wednesdays and then I performed every Friday night for two people in the audience usually and my sister and her husband. So I was just like performing for nobody, but I got really comfortable being on stage it's like when you put a camera in front of you, you for the first time, you're like, hello, I'm here. So it was like I got that bug out. So I was just performing, performing, performing. Someone mentioned to me that I would really like Groundlings. They were like, oh, Melissa McCarthy went there. I'm like Kristen Wiig and Will Ferrell. And I was like, oh, I love all those people. Great. I mean, I was a big like Jim Carrey fan growing up, Pet Detective all of that. I loved character stuff always, already, naturally. So I was like, oh, okay. 
I didn't know much about it at all. So I just audition. I just auditioned. I just went in and took an audition. And then from then on, took basic, past base. I just was fell in love. And then intermediate, where this is why people want to pass basic, but I'm like, you don't understand intermediate is very, very difficult. Yes. I yeah. took basic to like play. And I was like, my goal is to just be here and show up in a room with actors because I'm sick of pandemic work and I want to get off Zoom. And then I was like, cool. And then I took intermediate and I was like, oh, this is a lot of homework. <laughs> so much homework. So much homework. But it like unlocked something inside of me. I loved it. I was obsessed. I loved going home and doing the monologue homework. I was like, and remember, I was like brand new to LA, didn't have a lot of ties. I was like, I love doing the monologues. I loved people watching. I loved bringing in the magazine and creating a character. It unlocked something inside of me that was always there. Mm. That's what I think it was. It's like, I just, it wasn't like I discovered that I, it was already there and I just unlocked it. So from then on, my improv journey was constant. I just got up through the program. It took me like seven years because we had like a two-year wait list or something. It wasn't even a plan to go to the next level. Like I never joined Groundlings to go to Sunday. But when I got up to Sunday, it was like, oh, okay, this is something rather than like, this is something I'm fucking amazing at. It was like, yeah. this is something I love because this shit is hard. It's my whole life right now. If if someone hasn't heard of Groundlings, will you explain quickly kind of how the tiers go as you go up in the program? Yeah. So they've they've definitely changed since when I did it. I've been on a Sunday company for almost four years now. So it's you have to audition to get into the track program. So you can do workshop A or workshop B without auditioning. If you don't want to go into the track of a pass or repeat, workshop A or workshop B, you can just do. If you want to go into the program, you do the audition. They pass you or, Which is or, pretty, or not. And then you can pretty chill. Just so you it's guys know. very it's chill. It's like playing improv games and just like getting a grasp on the situation. It's not like you have to prepare a character monologue. Yeah, they just want to see if you are a person. It's almost like when you're typing a thing, it's like, are you a robot? If yeah. they want to see if Click you're a five bicycles. They, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. They, they just want to see if you're a person, but also that you can listen. You can yes and. You're not denying. And you're not going to say crazy things. You're not going to like throw out a horrific joke. That's kind of what they want to see. Basic is the first level. The next level is intermediate. Those are called the core tracks. And then the third level is, so they just changed it. It's advanced lab. So the core track is basic intermediate. And then you get up to the performance track. Advanced lab, which you have a show at the end. Writing lab, you have one show again also. And then you have... Basically, yeah. it's two core tracks, basic and intermediate, and then three performance tracks. And the core tracks, you get three chances. And then the three, the third one, you get two chances. And then the last two before Sunday Co., you only get one chance to pass. You only get one chance. And then you have to get voted to get into Sunday. They actually have to vote on you to get into Sunday after Advanced Lab. What is Sunday Company and who votes? Main company votes. Sunday company is three rounds. So six months is each round. So that's 18 months in total. It's three rounds. And each round you get voted on. And you have previews, the beginning of your show. Then you have a closing show and you celebrate and then you get voted on. So basically, Sunday company, they set it up very similar to SNL. You have a pitch, a full pitch day. You have a rewrite day. And then you have Sunday, you have full rehearsal all day long. And then you have a two hour show, a two hour sketch show. And the sketches are usually brand new every Sunday, but they'll continue a sketch like over and over if it's doing pretty well. So when you're in Sunday company, it's great because you have the groundling stage, right? You get to perform on the groundling stage, which is a huge deal. And people, huge deal. everyone goes to groundlings. It's a great theater. Yep. If you haven't been there, you should go see a show. But with that being the reward of getting to be seen and it's a great way to get better reps and like really add that. That's a huge resume thing. How yeah, much you get work, industry night and you get an SNL night. That's amazing. How mm -hmm. much work per week are you putting in like hour wise to being in Sunday Company? A lot. You're giving your soul up. 
realistically, realistically, your pitch day, you should be bringing in, I mean, when it gets down to the wire, sometimes you only bring in one, but you should be bringing in like four pitches, meaning fully written sketches that you perform. It's not like you're sitting there and being like, I have this cool idea about this woman who goes into Trader Joe's. No, it's a full sketch that you pass out and you're like, hey, can you play this? And then you perform it. You're on stage performing it. That is your pitch. It's not sitting around and hanging out. It's like, um, no. Yes. Great. Let me talk to you how we can do this better. And then from pitch, the director will be like, cool, I want to try that this Sunday. And you're like, okay. "Okay." And then you get the whole night to do rewrites. So that pitch lasts like maybe from like 6 or 5 p.m. to like midnight or something. That's like seven hours. And before that, you have to have five sketches. So however long it takes you, maybe it's two hours a sketch. I mean, it's like 10 to 12 hours of writing it before pitch. And then you have rewrites. And that's however long that'll take you. Or if you okay. even have anything greenlit, you might not have anything greenlit. You might not have anything in the show on Sunday, which is a hard feeling. But also you can write solos or you can write with other people. So however long that takes you to rewrite, depending on that. So what is that like? 15 to 20, depending now on. Now we're sitting at 20 and that's just the beginning. And then you might get rewrites on your rewrites. You might be rewriting. If Say you have a pitch on Tuesday. You might be rewriting until Saturday morning or until Friday night. And then Saturday morning, they send out the list of what's going to be in the show. And then Saturday, you might be in 10 sketches and you need to have wigs and costumes for everything. And they have an attic that you can go and peek at. So you can go in Saturday to the attic or you can go find costumes, find wigs, buy wigs, borrow wigs, whatever you want. So however long that takes you, that usually used to take me like a long ass time because every director usually needs to approve the wig and everything. So you'd send them the picture. They'd be like, yes or no. So that's like whatever, six, seven, I don't even know how long that would take you, five, six yeah. hours. That was the day that I despised because I was never that good at shopping, but I loved wigs. But it was, yeah, so that was that day. And then Sunday, you're there in the morning at like 9 or 10 a.m. And you are rehearsing that entire day until your show at 8 or 7 or whenever your show is. And then your show's two hours. And then after that, you have notes. Okay, we're sitting at like 45-ish hours a week for this performance. So... Yeah. Plus the plus the amount of time you spend thinking about it, even when you're not doing it. Will you tell everyone what you get paid for this? Uh, zero dollars. Do you get a stipend or money back for the money you spend on costumes? No. So this costs money to do? Yes. So why? Why is because it is an amazing opportunity to be seen. I would not join Groundlings to get on SNL. I wouldn't do that. But it is an amazing way to get incredible rep to be seen, to be called into rooms that you thought you could never dream of being called into for SNL to see you. And honestly, it taught me so much about my work ethic and how much I can push myself. And when I'm empty of ideas, I can still keep going. It just taught me what it would look like If I did get on a show like SNL or if I did get on something or, well, you get paid on SNL, but it brought me to my edge and past my edge and that it really showed me. So I will say it was completely worth it. When you break it down like that, you're like, why would I ever? Because I was also working a full-time job at night and it definitely broke me in so many ways. But my journey was really beneficial to me because I can fucking perform I can think quick on my feet. I can do a crazy show. I can do quick changes like a boss. Like I have made long life friends. I have really gotten way farther in this industry, but also I saw where I could go and I saw if I wanted that or not. And it really showed me what I really wanted. And that's why when we first talked in the beginning of this podcast, that's why I'm at this place now, I'm four years out of Sunday where I'm like, I'm allowing myself to slow down because I earned it. I deserve it. And I know what it's like to work so hard, so long for no money. And I did that. Great. I don't need to do that again. How does this work with a full-time job while also taking care of yourself? Or was there any self-care or was there time for friends and family How does this look? Because I know, I think the thing we don't recognize is every time we hit an accolade, like doing something like a Sunday company or booking a big role or whatever it is, 
the thing that we don't showcase very often is the sacrifices. I would assume that there's a lot of sacrifice that it took you, obviously, in just time and energy. But in terms of taking care of yourself, I don't even know how you sleep enough in order for your brain to function to have new ideas for sketches all of the time. And remember the sketches you're about to do. What was the day-to-day for that? And your auditioning. And four years ago was when we were doing in-person auditions. Were you also driving around? Oh, yeah. And I had new rep. I had brand new rep. And they were like dream rep. Like I was like, I never thought I would ever get that rep. And I had it. So I was doing general meetings. I was doing SNL tapes. I was doing JFL tapes. I was running around meeting all these people every day. I was running on adrenaline for a really, really long time, like years. I never came down from that adrenaline. No, I barely saw my friends. I barely went home and saw my family. Most of my friends, thank God, they, my LA friends and home friends stuck with me. I just basically at a point had to be like, I will not be able to see you for months. I lived with my boyfriend at the time. I had rescued a dog who was wild and I loved her. And it was just, I don't even know. I wasn't I wasn't I I would say I wasn't a fully functioning human being like I was I was running past empty every single day, to be completely honest. In the beginning, I was the thing is, is because I went in, I had advanced lab and then I got voted into Sunday and I had to immediately go into Sunday. Some people get advanced and then they get a year off to rest from advanced because advanced is really intense. It's a mini Sunday. It's two shows. It's four months. It's a mini Sunday. I had to jump right into Sunday. So I was already on empty by the time I got into Sunday. But, you know, everyone's like, this is a huge accomplishment, which it was. It was. And I was really grateful. But I was so already so, so tired. I don't even know if tired is even the right word. So I sacrificed everything, truly. Like, I sacrificed everything. But I was so lucky that, you know, my boyfriend stuck by my side, my friends stuck it out because they were super proud of me. My family was very understanding. I was just lucky I had really solid people who stuck by me, but I was a terrible friend, not a good, you know, partner. Like I was just, and sleep, I tried everything to get to sleep. But when you are in a show like that, for me, I am up all night thinking about how I can make that character better. Oh, why isn't that sketch working? It's not working. They're going to cut it. I don't want them to cut it. Okay, what can I do? If I got a full night's, I don't even think I got a full night's sleep. And that's why when I got out of Sunday, I did four months of nothing. Nothing. Like, I couldn't even do anything. Lots of tears. It was a really interesting time because it was like the highest level of excitement. But it was, you can't sustain that. Yeah. You actually, it's not healthy. The highest level of adrenaline is not healthy. You like stop tasting food. You like don't know what food tastes like anymore because you're just eating and fuel. And my body was like, I don't even know what's happening. I couldn't hear what my body was saying. I was like, I think I'm hungry. I don't know. And you're so stressed too. You're so stressed because if your sketches get cut, that means that you have not a good chance of moving forward with your friends, with your family that you've built. You're like, I don't want to not be with my friends and family. If my sketch gets cut because I can't figure it out, then I'm done. And if my closing show sucks, then I'm done. And then I have to deal with like the shame and embarrassment. And then the like, I have nothing. I've dropped everything to be here. And now I have nothing. But luckily, I had such an incredible community that loved me and showered me with love and and joy when I got out of Sunday. Otherwise, I don't even know. I don't even know how to describe it. But we see this happen all the time with people who have booked big jobs or they hit this big accomplishment, even not in acting, in other areas of their life. And the high is so high. And what you said is so true. The maintenance of that is damn near impossible. And everyone expects you to just be grateful all of the time. That's exhausting in and of itself because then you don't feel like you can release any of the feelings you're carrying around. That is so true. That's so true. It's like when people are like, oh, my God, I'm so busy. I barely have time. It's like, well, at least you're working. I hate that shit. I I can't. You should never say that to a person. It's like when people are like, oh, you know, the journey is the point, right? When you get to the end, it's like, oh, great, I'm here. Everyone goes through their own thing, but it's like, I don't think us as human beings are really supposed to deal with 
that high level of I don't know. It's 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 wild. It's that's such a it's a hard thing to hear when people are like, oh, well, at least you're working like at least you did it. At least you blah, blah, blah. And and I used to take that so hard because it was like, you're right. I should never complain ever again. And for a lot of the times I didn't. I didn't. I I just I normalized being burnt out 24-7. I was probably burnt out for years and years and years and years and years, even before Sunday Company. Because at that point when Sunday Company was so close, and this is just Groundlings. This yeah. isn't like everything else I was dealing with. Life. Yeah, we haven't. There's so like... <laughs> Day to day. Like, when do you get a fucking haircut? <laughs> like, when do you buy yeah. underwear? Oh, when do you, you like don't. poop? Like, you just, there's just so many things. And it's like, it's great to be out of that because it's great to have done it because it showed me, like, to me, there's so much more to life than setting a goal, getting the goal. Great. But there's so many things to life than that. There's relationships, there's family, there's cooking good food, there's making your home a home. Like, don't knock a housewife. Don't knock someone. Like, all of that is work. I think I think the real work is just getting wiser in what feels good as a human being. That will actually give you longevity in this career, whatever career you want. Because now I'm at a point where it's like, I love acting. It is my core. How do I have longevity? Because what I did wasn't giving me longevity at all. In fact, it made me think of the world in a nasty way sometimes. Like, how do I give myself longevity? Oh, I need this. I need this. I need sleep. I need that. I need I need a workout. I need something. I don't know. Like, can you not go through a hard time to learn that? I don't know. I think for me specifically, I had to go through that. And I, I say go through like it was a bad thing. No, I had to experience that high level of amazingness, like good, good, good things to understand what's really important. Obviously, it was important to you because you're still doing it. You're not doing the same rigmarole that you were doing before, but you're still in the improv world. You found the joy out of all of that. And I think all of us or a lot of us, maybe some of us learned this earlier than others, but Probably everyone listening to this podcast who listens to actor podcasts in their free time have had a hustle period that they look back on now that they think, I don't know if I could do that again. And if you haven't and your brain is like, I'd love that hustle time, you'll do it. You'll I want you guys to like take this in so you don't repeat all the mistakes I made and other people make. But also you're going to do it. You're going to do it anyway at some point. But I want you to know that it's normal and that it's not normal in an encouraged way, but that when you feel that way, you do need to clock it. And it doesn't mean you have to stop what you're doing. But what you did was take it in. You worked through it while you were doing it. And now you're in this different place where you're getting to decide where your performance goes, what you've done, and you did the work to get here. But what are the through lines from that time period that you've taken into what you do now? Because so you're in Smosh, which is huge, right? Like everyone I know watches this on YouTube. It's incredible, which is a sketch show on YouTube. But like when I, f- I feel like it doesn't do it justice to say that. It's so hard to explain because people are like, well, what? It really is. I am so grateful for that job. And to be honest, I got that job from a manager that saw me at Sunday. So at the end of the day, I love working at Smosh so much. It's such an amazing job, such an amazing group of people. I honestly feel honored. And for the first time since I was like 14, I'm not working at a restaurant. I'm just working there and doing voiceover and doing other little gigs. But I think almost like think of like a network, right? Like Smosh is like a network on YouTube that has sub channels, right? It has the main channel. It has pit channel where we do like TikTok challenges and read Reddit stories and do all these fun structured improvs and connect with the internet. And then it has games where we're doing a Dungeons and Dragons campaign right now. I've never played Dungeons and Dragons before and I'm doing a full campaign and I've unlocked a secret joy that I didn't know that I had. And that's all improv, literally all improv. I would say the biggest through line is knowing my worth, I would say, and knowing that I can do really hard work. But is it always beneficial? In every scenario, no, it is not. 
And I hustle now in a different way. Sometimes I will get to the place of burnt out and then I go, oh, I can do less. I can do less and feel fulfilled. So I'm learning now how to just like knock a couple things off my list and see if I still feel fulfilled. It's like, you know, trial and error. And I realize the more that I knock off and the more that I have time, I feel way more fulfilled than when I have days like today that is just like, one thing after another, after another, after another. Those don't make me fulfilled anymore. And also, I am not my best self that day either. Yeah. That's my biggest through line is that we can do really hard things and we are worthy and we are also worthy of rest and things that we love. And also, the biggest thing that I've learned is like, people will tell you what they think you need to do. People are like, you're so good at that. You got to do that. You're so good at that. You really, you have to do a career in that. And it's taken me about 11 years to realize I'm not just a comedian. My first love was acting, fully acting. And I'm like leaning back into that. And I love talking to human beings. And I'm leaning back into that. Yeah. Well, I think you're rad. So I'm I glad think that you you're have time. rad. Thanks. When you yeah. were in my class, I was like, she's the shit. She's the shit. Because Honestly, it was so cool to do some side coaching and have you be like, oh, and I think it was more on a spiritual level. It wasn't like a technical level. It was more on a spiritual level, which is how I always relate to things. And then you got it and then you just fucking got it. You were just going from there. And it was so cool to see. Thank you. Oh, that's so fun. What I loved is that, that you do like a mid-season class point where we do parent-teacher conferences, basically. And we talk about like what to work on. And then we have one at the end of class. And I love that because I'm like, what like to focus on? And you said one thing to me that changed it. And you said, will you just like pick an emotion and then like go hard and see what happens? And then I was taking creation of a character out of it. And I started from the emotional point. And I was like, I'm so fucking nervous in this scene. And, then, and I just like let it happen. Like, I don't know why. I just am. And like, let's see what happens. What, what is this girl and who? Why is she nervous? And that changed everything. But the ability to simplify someone's process or to help a specific student in such a small way can only be done, in my experience, from someone who has been doing this for yeah a really long period of time. And the fact that you have time to coach and to teach and to sit in a room and absorb others working and give good feedback is a testament that everything that you were just talking about in terms of working and figuring out your flow and all these things must be working. Because if you were the you who was doing all of the things in Sunday Company, I don't foresee you being a very present teacher. I don't foresee no. that being like lending itself well to like listening and feedback. And like my mind would be seven ways to Sunday, quite literally. <laughs> literally. And I would be projecting my like burnt outness on my students. Which, by the way, keep an eye out for that in your acting class teachers. La, 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 la. So true. Like if you have an acting teacher who's not booking. Woo! Good luck. Quit, good luck or doing who, that scene. Uh-huh. Or who quit the business because they were hate it and they were bitter. Like you can tell. Oh, my God. I can tell. Oh, my. It is. <laughs> and they let you know how hard it's going to be. Also, acting classes. Who You got to go through a lot to find the one that works for you. Because sometimes that works for people. They're like, I love getting beat down. And I'm like, all right, cool. Live that truth. Pass. I think they did, they did a study that like 98% of people actually get better from positive feedback and 2% of people. And there's a very small chance you listening are the 2%. Just <laughs> Yeah, exact positive feedback. Don't knock it. People always think it doesn't make you stronger. It's like, yes, it does. I would say like tough love to a point. Sometimes people use tough love to hide the 2%. But I think tough love to a point is really. And also, if you're giving positive feedback, give it to yourself. Because when has it ever worked that you're really hard on yourself? You might get a lot of shit done. But are you even fucking happy? Never. I get no. so much shit done and then I don't stop to ever give myself a pat on the back on those days. No, and then you're like, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so burnt out. And people are like, well, at least you're working. <laughs> Validate your friend's feelings is, is going to be the name of the podcast. Uh -oh. Amanda, this is great. I could keep talking to you forever. Where should people find you, the work you're doing right now? They should follow you, all that good stuff because you're great. You're a great follow on Instagram. Thank you. My Instagram basically has everything that you need. It's at filmingamanda. 
And if you want to follow me on Smosh, I'm a regular cast member there. Just type in Smosh, S-M-O-S-H on YouTube. I'll be on the Pit channel. I'll be on the Games channel. Episode five of our D&D campaign just came out. It's super funny and silly and fun. And the character development is legit. My name is Dolores Paradise in it, and I'm a halfling warlock. And I'm four, I think I'm like four feet, three inches. Pretty cool, because I'm actually six feet in real life. So that's <laughs> amazing. And uh, my website, amandaleehancanto.com, has like links to all of that. My show is every third Wednesday of every month at UCB. Our mod team is called Tracksuit. But again, you can find that on my Instagram. Yay. Thanks, Amanda. You rock. This was amazing. This. this was amazing. This so fun.